I go passing by. Even the nighthawks, they stifle their cries. While the alligator sleeps in his duckweed palm, I silently lap up water, then I swiftly abscond. There's mud in my veins and muck in my arteries. My breath is like sulfur, keeps away the mosquitoes and fleas. My teeth are sharper than green briar thorns. My heart is the place where bitterness is born. At daybreak, the red winged blackbirds sing of my misdeeds as they flip and flap and fly around in the cattail reeds. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. There's someone that you need to find. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. Welcome to the Swamp and Wolf podcast. I'm sitting here with Tiffany. Hi. Um, Tiffany, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I, my name's Tiffany, and I am a native Texan. I live here in Houston. I've lived here my whole life. I haven't lived much farther than College Station, which I think we both probably had a similar experience in College Station. It wasn't my favorite town in all of Texas. But it was okay. It served a purpose. I am a naturalist at the Houston Arboretum and Nature Center. I'm the director of education there. And I am a super outdoorsy person. I like to be outside. I'm not a mountain climber or anything, but I like camping and fishing and kayaking and um, hiking and all of that. And I know Chris from long ago from the running club. And then more recently, we worked together at the Arboretum when he was there for a few years. So, Yeah. Is that when we first met was through the running club? Yeah, I remember. Actually, my first memory of you is from a Christmas party. It was Disney themed and you were dressed like Abu the monkey from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure that was me? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Did you never dress like Abu the monkey from Aladdin? So it was a I dressed long time up. Ago. I dressed up. At this party, if I'm remembering it correctly, uh, I went with Raya. Like, we went as a couple, kind of. I didn't know you dated Raya. Not, like, dated, but... You were each other's date to the party. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and we went as Beauty and the Beast. Oh. But I was the beauty and she was the beast. (laughs) So I was wearing a dress. Oh, no, I remember that one. I remember that was... Me... I don't ever remember dressing like Abu the monkey. Oh, maybe. Well, I remember you from that party, but maybe you were... Maybe I put on somebody else's costume for a bit. There's no telling. That was when it was at that really weird place that... um, (laughs) Was it kind of like a warehouse? It was a warehouse, but it was for equipment for um, gentlemen's entertainment clubs. Like, they rented, like, like, the... cages oh really do you remember that i there was like a screen that people would dance behind i remember um fallon dancing like a um she was tinkerbell and it was like one of those shadow dance boxes Uh uh-huh it was an interesting party honestly i can't say that i remember a lot of that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm surprised i do either but i think um i think that's my first memory of meeting you Uh but i knew your sister too because she was friends with 
it's you know long chain but she was she ran in the houston club for a little while too uh-huh yeah and to give people context when we say running club (laughs) (laughs) this is a a club that uh involves both running and drinking yeah it's Uh, international yeah so there is there are runners with quotes around the world but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of drinkers as well yeah and so that explains or that helps explain i guess kind of why i can't remember yeah the christmas parties are are, you know they're they're not just like you get around and open presents and have white elephant there there's usually a dj or a band and there's a lot of um silly activities and lots of drinks and stuff but yeah and so at that time i would have still been in grad school yeah yeah you still ran with the college station Mm -hmm. group yeah for sure um which I was also thinking about recently, and I was like, man, I think that was, if I was an alcoholic in my life, like, it was when I was in grad school, for sure. sure. Well, I Um, feel like when you, when you got, when you're in grad school, your whole world is about one thing. Yeah. And so when you can take a break, yeah, you just really take a break. Right. That club was my release. Like, um, because... Well, partly because, like, it took me a, a long time to find a group in College Station. Sure. Like, a group of people that I felt like-minded with and, like, had things in common with and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that first year I was in College Station, I made no effort to meet anybody. I was like, you know what? I'll just go to Austin every weekend. And I did that. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, because you went to school in Austin for your undergrad, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was still dating a girl in Austin. Um, and so, yeah, I did that. And then at the very end of that school year, we broke up. And we had dated for like five, five and a half years oh, or gosh. something. Yeah. It was it was hard. And then I went to work in Utah and all that for mm-hmm. the summer. Um. And then I came back and I was like, man, I'm going to need to find friends somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started with that running club. I don't think I ever found a group of people in College Station. I have one good friend from the four years I lived there, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, she was, and she didn't, she didn't like it there either. She actually finally finished school there, but um, her parents lived there, which mm-hmm. is why she was there. And now she lives in Northern California. Mm-hmm. So more of a, more her speed, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I think running's like a good release. I got into it whenever I was working in retail, which was the most soul-sucking job ever. I worked in retail management. I had a store of, that I ran, and it was a good company. Made great money. Uh, you know, the tough parts was like working weekends and holidays and stuff, but it was just soul-sucking. Like nothing I did really mattered at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I met a goal, which is fun because I'm competitive. Mm-hmm. That part I kind of miss. But other than that, what was the point of what I was doing? Like all the effort you put in and the stress you go through and like for what? So yeah, I got into running and it was, it's fun. It's a fun running club too. It's not just go run five miles together. There's a lot of interaction and your mind is engaged and you're trying to figure out where to go. Yeah. But now that I feel like I have fulfillment in other parts of my life I honestly don't I don't go at all anymore yeah I'm still friends with all those people but I don't go I thought about it tomorrow just because after being cooped up all week 
in frozen weather. I might need some something to do, but yeah, I still yeah, I don't know. I it's the only way I'll run now. Is it? Yeah, I don't. I can't get motivated to run on my own. So I need like I need that as my motivation. And sometimes I'll go months without running because I couldn't make it to to a hash. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they'll be like, "Man, I haven't seen you in forever." And I was like, "Yeah, I haven't ran in forever either." And I'm feeling it, you these, know. I'm like yeah. sore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I keep um, making these deals with myself that I'm gonna I'm gonna start running again. But um, I was listening to a a podcast the other day that's about astrology and just the alignment of the planets and stars, and they were like, "Pisces rules the feet." It's the bottom of the zodiac. It holds everybody up, and you should take care of your feet during this month. I was like, maybe I should start running. Maybe my feet need to start running. Literally, I, I'm grasping at straws for like ways to motivate myself <laughs> to go run again. Yeah, that's weird to me that Pisces is about feet. Yeah, I thought so too because it's, like, it's a fish, and fish right, don't fish, have feet. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> These are the thoughts I have driving down the road. Pisces, but Pisces don't have feet. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know where these things come up with, but it's the it's the bottom or the last of the zodiac, and so I guess it like supports. What does that others. mean too? So it starts in um, there's like a a a year. So the first sign of the zodiac is um, Aries, right? Yeah, it starts in there. Yeah, Aries, and so that's the first in the twelve. So it's just considered the the beginning. And of when the is zodiac. the start of that one? Uh, end of March, so it's the one that goes from like late March through April. So most people born in April are are Aries. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that there was considered a starter end to like all that stuff. I have learned. A lot. I I met a friend who has really gotten me interested in astrology, and my mom always liked it. But uh, you know, you'd read the little two liners in the Houston Chronicle or whatever, and it mm -hmm. would tell you like you're going to have a good day today and be careful of your conversations and don't get caught up in anything. You know, so it's very vague. Right. And I always thought too, like you have one sign, like my birthday's in May, late May. So I'm a Gemini. Mm -hmm. So everything I always thought was you're a Gemini, but come to find out you have all these other different aspects. So if, um, so the like moon, moon was in yeah. this sign, the moon, um, is in charge of your emotions and your feelings. And so, your, however you deal with those things would be more like whatever sign the moon was in. Uh -huh. And so you have all these different planets that are in different signs. So you can get your whole birth chart done. You okay. can get a whole natal chart mapping out the, the stars the moment you were born. And it's fascinating and sometimes like eerily accurate. Yeah. But then um, just like anything, you know, it's not 100%. There's days you're like, yeah, that didn't really apply. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, um, what's your, what's your like normal Zodiac symbol? Gemini. Gemini. It's yeah. The twins. Gemini. And do you feel like, uh, it's very accurate, like the typical. Sometimes, except for, uh, everybody always says that Geminis are like the life of the party and they're always, you know, flitting around from one person to another. And, um, a lot of that has never been true. Like I would class myself classify myself more as an introvert mm -hmm. but I can be an extrovert when I need to be I'm fairly adaptable mm -hmm. but um I've never been called the life of the party like ever that would not mm -hmm. be me but um I do get bored easily and I definitely they always say you have two sides to yourself and so I have 
my public self and then I have my private self and Mm -hmm. almost never the twain shall meet you know I don't um it's hard for me to form really strong relationships with like coworkers because of you know I don't I don't necessarily want to hang out with them outside of work not because they're not great people but it takes a lot for me to feel comfortable to do that so I Mm -hmm. definitely have those two sides Mm -hmm. but um I you know I don't know everything there is to know about the zodiac but I do like looking at um the overarching like energy of the world so like on a particular day if this is where the planets are this is the energy of that day like you hear people talk about mercury retrograde and Mm -hmm. so communication gets all screwed up you know if you're making plans there probably will be unclear there'll be miscommunication or um Hmm. misunderstandings Hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't know how much i feel like i i am a pisces oh so is your birthday coming up yeah it is um and, but sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like uh, they think, or they seem to say like Pisces are really sensitive and like emotional. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I'm super emotional or like I'm trying to like get in touch with my emotions now. Mm-hmm. But for so much of my life, I was like not emotional at all. Um, and so I was like, I don't know how fitting that really is for me but yeah i think that there's 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 so much to be not every pisces is the same right so those are such generalities and so if you have all these other signs and different maybe your moon is in something completely non-emotional you know maybe Mm. your moon is in aquarius or something which is i think a super like rational detached sign or something Mm. so Mm -hmm. it could be something like that yeah maybe there it's fun you can get your birth chart done for free online i will say um I had, I guess I've had like two kind of, I'll call them tarot experiences. One was definitely tarot and the other was like these like animal. Oracle cards. Animal cards. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that? Uh And, um, and the, I would say that the true tarot one was like crazy and how relevant it seemed that we did like a past, present, future kind of like big three cards. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it was pretty spot on. I mean, like, and I feel like you could probably take those interpretations and apply them to, to fit your life. But like, it well, just, that's the it, intuition part, right? You're supposed to look at it because it's supposed to just help guide your thought process. And that's, that's true. You could take it and apply it to a lot of things, but if it helped you see something more clearly, that's kind of the, the point I think too. Yeah. But yeah, I was just really surprised. I, I, wasn't expect well I don't know actually like I think old me would have been like not into it at all but um being open to new experiences yeah I was I was like all right let's try this like it um and yeah I was like whoa that's kind of cool Let, like three cards that I've always I've always been fascinated with tarot I got a first deck of cards almost two years ago somebody gave me a, a basic deck for my birthday and I just totally fell in love and now I think I have like seven or eight different kinds of decks just for different things mm-hmm. one's like all symbols just oracle type symbol meetings and then there's the basic tarot and the, it's kind of cool because I think each one is useful for different things but I think what they do is 
each one can relate to different stages or things that you're going through. And sometimes they don't make any sense at all. And you're like, what? And so you, you pull another card. But they just make you look deeper. Like they, they guide your thoughts. They're sort of like a passive therapist in a way. You know, they're like, okay, why don't you think about, this one's about work. Mm-hmm. What's going on in work right now that could be upsetting you or that you need to pay attention to? Or, mm-hmm. you know, so they're fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess even if it's something that seems irrelevant, it's getting you to think about something mm-hmm. else that maybe you don't think about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Because I, you know, I I like to set intentions when I meditate or something, and I I tend to always go back to, like, the same kinds of things. But I guess this could get your mind going and start thinking about other stuff. I think so, too, because sometimes, you know, you don't see the connections. Sometimes you don't pause long enough. It's just like when I teach little kids about... Um, things in nature if I can just get them to pause long enough to look around and Mm -hmm. actually focus Mm -hmm. then they get they go nuts they're like every other leaf there's something they're finding but if I can't if for whatever reason something it's just something happened or somebody's upset if whatever the reason is I can't get them to just stop long enough in one spot to look around them and connect Mm -hmm. they never see anything Mm-hmm. I mean, they see the, the big stuff. They see the trees. They see the sky. They see the pond. But they don't notice, you know, the little crawfish crawling on the bottom of the pond. They mm-hmm. don't notice that this tree's broken in half, whereas this one's, you know, standing tall. Or this one's dying. Or this one's living. Or So, in a way, I think it's like if you can just make yourself pause long enough to think about one thing in particular, sit in one spot in your brain, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you start seeing a whole lot more. Yeah. And that's what any any intention can make you do that. Yeah. But cards can too, I think. It's funny you say that about these kids because these are kids of what age? Are you saying like? Oh, for me, anywhere yeah. from five to twelve, typically. Mm-hmm. Twelve years old. Well, and the time that I was at the arboretum, um, these rice students would come once a year to the entomology class, and they had two well one was a family and one was an order of insects that they were interested in particular Mm -hmm. they're interested in formicidae which is the ants okay and lepidoptera which is the moths butterflies and Mm -hmm. skippers and plenty of both there right so (laughs) we would go and they had these plots that they would return to every year um was that the summer thing where you guys would take out the big square meter or is that something different no that's something different um this was like a class of like 20 or it was usually less than 20 students or something, but, um, there were only like three or four plots and I would usually tag along with them just to like tell them about the arboretum and, and I don't know, just to help out and mm-hmm. interact. Kind of, kind of supervise and also just be there for them if they have questions. Yeah. yeah. I get that. And, uh, they would, they were trying to do everything scientifically in a way so they would be like the professor would start a timer be like okay we have 20 minutes in this plot now everybody look for uh ants and butterflies moths skippers and (laughs) i remember we were out in these plots and these kids could not find a single ant and they're walking around all quickly Uh uh-huh and like 
looking around, and it's like... They're looking for something big to jump out at them. Yeah, and... Oh, an ant mound or something. And I, like, crouched down (laughs) and, like, just stayed in one spot and was just looking closely on the ground and looking on, like, the yopon and stuff like that. And I would see all these ants, you know? But I'm not allowed to really help. Or, like, I could help, but, like, I'm not... I'm not necessarily pointing them out. But... This is back when you hated people, so you're like, dummies. (laughs) Can't see the ants, they're right here. (laughs) But yeah, there's twig ants on the yopon. There's like uh, other ants in the leaf litter, like tiny little ants and stuff. And it's the same exact thing. And like, so it doesn't really matter what age you are, I don't think. Like, you kind of just need to like, God, I mean, adults in the same way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, slow down, look for a second. My favorite is, you know, like, well, not while it's cold, but when it's warm and we get puddles under Uh the boardwalks and stuff, if you can get the kids to just stop and tell them they have to be quiet for 30 seconds and they have to stare into the water, you see nothing in the water at Mm -hmm. first, Mm -hmm. but then your eyes adjust. Mm -hmm. So all the things that are just barely moving, like all the little protists and, you know, paramecium and even just uh, little tiny mosquito wigglers, all of a sudden it's like, you can tell for all of them it happens around the same time their eyes adjust and all of a sudden they see everything mm-hmm. and instead of it was nothing and now it's hundreds of thousands of things mm-hmm. it's exciting yeah yeah i mean i i still get excited about that stuff um <laughs> me too that's the best part of my job i do get to like super geek out with seven-year-olds <laughs> about things like that yeah yeah i remember walking uh walking Hayduke one night like and it had rained a lot during the week or something and um we just stopped on our walk for a minute and I just kind of crouched down and the light was reflecting in the water and it's dark out but like I start noticing movement in the water and I'm like what is that and I'm like looking at it in the dark for a while and then I decided to turn a light on and like look and it's uh like bloodworms, like those oh, red. Yeah, the tube effects worms. Yeah, yeah, there's like a bunch of them. Like I guess the rain drove them out of the soil. Sure. And they were just like so many, and it was like kind of gross, but Creepy. like also really interesting. And so I just like sat and watched them for a yeah. while. Um, that they are weird. Their mouths are down in the dirt, and that's their little bottoms you see waving up in the air. And to that's breathe. How, or yeah, something. and that's how you get those giant mounds of like squiggly looking little castings. Uh-huh. Cause they're just constant pooping. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, last episode I was talking a bit about, um, like, I just feel like I'm not around kids at all. And I don't know if that like is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but you know, I, I kind of feel the same way right now. We went from having, you know, a thousand kids at the Arboretum every week to none Mm -hmm. and it's really disheartening to try to teach about the natural world and what how amazing the outdoors is and can be when you're not teaching outdoors Mm -hmm. when you're trying to just encourage them to go in their own yard in their own backyards in their own neighborhoods and I know how hard it is to get them to go when they're here at the Arboretum and so getting them to go outside on their own is you know it's just not the same yeah but uh it keeps you 
humble because there's so much that they know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. But then there's so much vice versa, too, that you know. And you just, you know, you have to, like, share this information. But you watch how they handle social interactions. And it's it's primitive in a way. It's like watching, you know, dogs at a dog park trying to figure out who's going to be the top dog that day. Or, mm -hmm. But um, I like working with kids. And I never, ever would have ever thought that would be the case yeah i don't have children i don't want to have children i love my niece and nephew i like playing with kids but i never thought that would be my career mm -hmm. um, so that was a surprise to me how much i like it yeah we're always looking for school tour guides so you know if you have if you want to take like every uh every other friday off and come lead a tour you can get your dose of kids hopefully pretty soon yeah i don't know it's so it's a little daunting um mm -hmm. because I just don't have that experience. You know Everybody I mean? says that, but the truth is, if you're entertained, they're entertained, mm -hmm. and they follow your lead. Absolutely. So if I have a teacher who is just not enthusiastic, the kids won't be enthusiastic. And then you get people like Justin. I know Justin was on the podcast a while back. You can hear how excited he gets about things. Mm -hmm. Well, that is so contagious. Mm -hmm. Every student in his class, even if he gets on a <laughs> tangent and talks about ants for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. those kids usually are still paying attention because yeah. he's so excited about it. Right. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about. I have trouble with um, older, older guides who really want to go by the outline we're going to teach a and then b and then c mm -hmm. and then you're going to learn these vocabulary words and i don't think they're as fulfilled i don't think at the end of the day they had as good a time mm -hmm. as the people who just go out and let nature be the teacher yeah so maybe our overarching theme is recycling in nature so you're looking at the leaves but who knows what you're going to find let the kids connect in whatever way you can yeah even if it's not what's on the paper telling you what to do right Actually, I have to teach. I I'm gonna teach a thing at the arboretum. You gonna do the scout thing? Yeah. yeah. They're not really scouts, right? They're what they're is it called? um her heritage girls, I think American heritage girls or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing some. Is it evening? I think it's a nighttime. Yeah, it's like a Saturday entomology thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of in the afternoon and evening. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. I've done like, I've done random ones. Where I brought my insect collections to, like... Uh, yeah, summer camp classes. I know you've come in and shown them. And I've done that for friends, too. Like, my friend Kelly was a an elementary school teacher. Ooh. And she would occasionally, like, ask me to bring my insect collection and, like, talk about insects for a bit. Um, so, yeah, but I think about, like... I did that in grad school a couple times for her kids, and I just... They, they're really interested in seeing the insects and stuff, but I feel like I was really bad about, like, trying to connect with them in a yeah. classroom. I think it would be easier, too, on, like, trails and stuff to just point Absolutely. Stuff out. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a lot easier time when I'm outside, too. I mean, some of the people I work with were classroom teachers, and so they have some experience with that, and they seem to always have their classroom more together. Mine, I'm much more together outside. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy it a little bit more. I can be inspired by what is around me, but... Mm -hmm. That's my personality, too. I don't like st sticking straight to what you tell me to do mm -hmm. if I think there's a better way to do it. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Mm -hmm. I hate following recipes. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, I, I like what I do is I'll, I'll get the gist, right? So I go, if I want to, I want to make, I made my own spaghetti sauce yesterday uh-huh. because the only thing left in my house is like pasta. Uh-huh. And so I had some cans of tomato sauce. So I just briefly looked, what goes in this? Okay, garlic, olive oil, oregano. Okay, I got that stuff. Right. And then I just did it. Yeah, that's what I like okay. to do too. I got the idea. I'll do this however fast and with whatever I have. But mm-hmm. that's why I'm not a very good baker. Yeah. I mean, I I was winging a lot of my bread recipes eventually. right? And yeah. then I started making pizza dough with it and same kind of deal. Like just... I bet that's how the best bakers are. They just, you know, if it feels right, they're paying attention. They're tuned in to what's in front of them, not what's written on a piece of paper. For the sourdough, it's definitely hit or miss. Like, um, I think I killed my sourdough sometimes, starter. Sometimes it was like super dense and mm-hmm. it was like not very good. Well, and then you read that, well, there's like so many things like the humidity and the temperature. And yeah, right. Like that's a lot to have to, if it can't just do it thing <laughs> right like, if i, I was if i was consistent but the humidity is different like that's uh-huh. really annoying yeah <laughs> you yeah. know it's like oh it came out really good last time i'm gonna do the exact same thing but apparently the humidity is off so right, so you have to be adaptable if you yeah. want yeah if you want a good product yeah that's crazy to me yeah i don't know but working with kids is, is definitely something i miss only there there's there's some kids you don't want to work with and when you're when you have a class you take the good with the bad uh-huh. but I'll be super glad to have um in-person classes this whole like trying to work remotely for what I do it's been really really frustrating mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I mean I've done quite a few lectures now through zoom and stuff um, that's great for adults yeah, it works okay. Um, but I do like having... A lot of my adult education classes had a field aspect. You know, yeah, it's like, it like, okay, let's have a talk for 40 minutes or something, and then let's go hike, hike around the trails. So yeah, that, that part of it's gone now. Yeah. But, oh well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll be vaccinated soon and I yeah I hope so too I there's all sorts of there's all sorts of people getting vaccinated that I don't know how they did it but I'm like teach me your ways show me what to do yeah I want to say in other states there's like like teachers and stuff are getting mm-hmm. vaccinated yeah I mean think about all the people that work in um, bars and restaurants you know they're exposed so much and they're mm-hmm. not I don't know where they rank on the scale of uh, priority priority yeah yeah, this should be high priority for sure. Yeah, grocery store workers, stuff like that. I don't I'm know. probably like pretty low. I know. Priority. Me too. Like damn healthy body. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, if everyone else is getting vaccinated, then well, I, and you know, it's still not necessarily safe to go out without a mask, but mm. um, maybe it's a little more. People feel a little more comfortable just doing in person stuff. Yeah, with, people are with interesting masks. with their kids. We got a lot of flack for um, not having in-person stuff. I'm like, they're like, well, kids don't get it as badly. I was like, why do you think teaching your kids? Right. You know, a bunch of adults. So yeah, they don't get it badly, um, but yeah. they can carry it, right? Yeah, they, they can, can totally it carry to, it. Um, yeah, but people stuff. are ready to get back to in-person stuff. That's for sure. And we are going to do in-person this summer. It's actually kind of fun. It's been really scary to 
do nothing normal this summer. We're doing all new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm new in the position. So I'm like, this better not fail or I'm going to feel pretty bad. But um, I don't think it will. I think yeah. it'll actually be pretty good. Yeah. What... Um what are you worried about? <laughs> like, can you explain, uh, like what your new duties are with your new position? Yeah. So, you know, our director that we had for a long time had been there for 44 years mm-hmm. and she is a great mentor. You know, she loved her job. She loved what she did. But, um, I think over time you lose, uh, the motivation to change things. Mm -hmm. Things have worked that way for a long time. It it takes a lot of mental energy to change the way something's been going for a long time. And you may have seen that exact same thing fail a couple of other times because most ideas are recycled. So what my duties now I feel like are to take all the best of what we've done Um, teaching wise and we've got to create programs that drive income for the Arboretum. We're a nonprofit. We get most of our budget from development fundraising uh, grants, annual, what do they call it? Annual fund, all that. But you know, a lot of it is also from programming. Mm -hmm. So helping everybody create the best content and then figuring out the format to deliver the content Mm -hmm. And um, keeping everybody safe while meeting your budget, while engaging the community. And uh, it's stuff that we've never had to deal with. If I had just gotten to move into the job and everything stayed the same, I think it would have been easier, maybe not as much fun. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the thrill of having to change everything up for this new world we're living in and make all all these... uh, new online videos and virtual content Mm -hmm. like it's exciting because it's different Mm -hmm. but um there is the fear that all of these new ideas will flop Mm -hmm. and no one will want to come to these things because they're used to being able to drop their kids off in the summertime for eight hours and go to work and we're not offering that and so will they just go to the places that are? Will they decide to take their kid to one of the other places around town that's bigger and has more people and can do an in-person all-day thing? Mm-hmm. Will we not make even half the money we think we will? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I will say we are set up for resiliency as far as if, if somebody were to get sick, we're set up where one person is out, so you know it only takes one person to do this activity we're doing that day. We can, we'll have room to fill in for each other. So... Mm-hmm. I think that we are in a good spot, but it's exciting. I have to have the board that I get to talk to now. There's an education committee with people on it that are very focused in making sure that we get what we need as a team. I've got a team of um, how many people now? One, two, three, four, five of us right now. There's five naturalists, and we're about to hire two more. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, you have different backgrounds, different experiences, different motivations for being there, and different levels of um, skills. So managing that team's kind of fun. That's what one of the things I remember from my retail management days is you have all these different kinds of people from all walks of life, all different ages, and you're just trying to get the best out of them. Of course, it was just sales, so it wasn't too hard. Mm-hmm. But here we've got 
a team of very different people and they don't always get along or they don't always like each other. So I think part of the director's job is managing personalities and making sure that people work together respectfully and to get the best outcome, but also knowing when not to put two people together to work on a project or Mm -hmm. um, making sure the the relationships are healthy and productive. And I like that. I do enjoy that a lot. I saw a quote when I first was interviewing for the job that said, um, uh, I'm going to forget it now, but it was basically like, managers know how to do things right and leaders know how to do the right things. Mm-hmm. I'm probably misquoting it, but basically it was like, you know, it's not a, not so much about doing things anymore as it is making choices for other people and helping other people do the right things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's also kind of like, I will say in a small organization, if you are career minded and you want to make more money and you want to move up. Yeah. There's not a lot of options. I could either leave the organization and go somewhere else uh-huh. um, and try to do something different, or I can move up to this position. And it's nonprofit, so of course it has a ton of benefits, but not a huge salary is not one of them. Right. And being single and having you know and supporting myself, I don't have family or anybody to help me out with anything. So I want to have a stable income and a stable career but I also want to be happy and I want to be fulfilled and all these things that we you know we want as we get older so I love the job for its new different things because I was tired of just doing the same tasks every day Mm -hmm. but would I say it's like my dream job no Mm -hmm. but I do enjoy it a lot yeah right now it's still super new and I think I can mold it into being something that makes me really happy as -hmm. long as I don't fall on my ass the first year (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think I loved the Arboretum because of you know what it was the place that I was at the people I was working with Mm -hmm. um you know and being outdoors basically every day but yeah I got I guess I got I guess part of it was feeling like I couldn't um, move up in my position there either. Yeah, it's very limited. And then also I did kind of get sick of like some of the duties. I felt like I was doing the same things over and over. And Trim the blackberry, mulch the trail. Yeah, herbicide. Herbicide, the, the invasives, yeah. Herbicide was like a, that one was really hard for me. I was getting really sick of that. Um and so I just felt like um, I wanted something that could uh, stimulate my mind a little more, like just to get into something a little new. Like it's not, you know, my current job isn't completely new. I still use a lot of the knowledge that I had from the Arboretum, but I also am doing a lot of new tasks and new duties. And What do you, what do, you do? I, I know it wetland is it wetland delineation or is mm-hmm. it surveying yeah that's or? that's probably the most common job that we do is wetland delineations and we do threatened and endangered species surveys and we do 
phase one environmental site assessments, and those are the three most common tasks. If I get out of education, that's I always I really thought hard about applying for this job because there's a part of me that would like to do more field work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Wetlands are my favorite ecosystem of all of the ecosystems that there are in the world, um, but I you know kind of got down this path of education, and so even the things I learned when I was getting my degree aren't some of the things that I would need to know even to get an entry level job, but like, you know, going out to walk around the wetlands and do all the testing to, that would be great. I think that sounds super fun, but I could see like what you're saying, like it could still over time become, you know, monotonous. Is that the right word? What this job? Yeah. Like doing like even that, that seems so exciting. Yeah. It's so different from what I do now. I guess any job over over a little while starts to be that way or yeah potentially i've because it's such a small company i've i've actually like grown a lot in that i don't just do the field aspect i do the report writing i am now managing multiple projects um and um dealing with clients and dealing with agencies and things like that um which I still have to rely on all my coworkers quite a bit because there's a lot of knowledge of like policy and stuff that I just don't have, mm. like Clean Water Act and all this stuff. And like I've learned a lot about it, but I still don't know as much as like some of my coworkers who have been doing this since they got out of college. Sure. Um, so I rely pretty heavily on on them when I need to. Um. But yeah, I can I can see I can see some of the duties getting old, but the, I guess the other thing is I get to go to different places over and over. Mm-hmm. You know, like or I don't know if over and over is a way to say that. Like every time I, you you have a different project, it's a different plot of land, a different it, different place to go. Exactly, look at. Yeah. That's exciting. Right. So as opposed to the Arboretum, which I loved going to the Arboretum, it's still the same place every day. Like, oh man! By the end of the summer, normally acres. I'm like, if I have to walk the Interloop Trail one more time, I'm li- by the end of the summer I'm taking the kids over into Memorial Park or under the tunnel. Literally uh-huh. anything to not have to walk the same trail, <laughs> which is terrible because I I'm the one that says stuff like, every time you go on the trail, it's a new trail. There's something new to see, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that's true, but still your brain just gets you know. I think when you do anything over and over, you stop seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You stop seeing the magic that's really there. Mm-hmm. There were definitely times. <sighs> I can recall times where, like, I would walk those trails and totally be neglecting the nature that is all around me. And then there are other times where I could be like, I really want to walk the inner loop right now. Yeah. And just, like, walk it as slow as possible. Not because, like, I'm avoiding doing something, but I just really want to slow down and, like, look at every like take it in yeah bit of bark (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know look at every single leaf and like find some interesting stuff yeah well back to what we were saying earlier you know that's you kind of have to do that every now and then to remind yourself Mm -hmm. of what's out there and you have to slow down you have to get to that point Mm yeah sometimes we force ourselves into it yeah another thing i was thinking about is so much of like my. I so I've 
mentioned on the podcast like these magic moments and stuff like that these like um times where i do slow down and i really appreciate something <laughs> mm-hmm. and i'm starting to realize that almost all of them are visual maybe occasionally they're like audio like you know birds song or mm-hmm. something like that but it's really rare for me to have some of those that are like I've got these other senses like smell and taste and touch that I'm not slowing down to appreciate stuff in that way a lot. And I did on this trip to Arizona really like fell in love with some moss. (laughs) There was this moss that was like the softest moss I've ever felt. And I just like wanted to like stay there and pet it all (laughs) day. I, was like, I know what you mean. And I, I was know. telling I was telling the people I was with like feel this moss like hey did you like, feel it and they're you? like they're like touching it they're like oh, that looks yeah. really soft. And I'm like no, no but like feel really it again. Feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I always get the kids to pet the moss especially when it's like really thick and it's been like a nice wet season. Oh uh-huh. and it's oh it is. It's like the carpet of the forest. I always imagine like my brain goes into like these little fantastical visions of like, if I was like a fairy, imagine mm-hmm. how beautiful this would be. It's bright green. It's lush. It's soft. It's like velvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So and you probably wouldn't have just looked at it and gotten the same experience. You had to touch it mm-hmm. and then make everybody else touch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've got this buddy, Tom, he's this incredible cook and I'll eat his food and I'm like, man, this is so good. But I'm like scarfing it down. Right. I should probably just like slow down and just like put a bite of food in my mouth and just like close my eyes and like really savor it. Do you ever go to a really expensive that. restaurant and it's like you have to do that too because like this cost, this steak was seventy dollars. Like <laughs> never, I'm gonna savor every bite of it. Yeah. I do that whenever I buy something with truffles. Oh, like if it's got yeah. shaved truffles on it or something, I'm like these are so expensive. Let me like eat the <laughs> shavings of truffles like. Uh, and just like oh, really yeah. chew on it and like, you like, know, I need to remember this. This needs to be, yeah, it's gotta be worth. Yeah. And sometimes like those truffles, I feel like if I'm being completely honest, I'll pay for these truffles and I'll eat them and I'm like, I hardly taste anything. Oh God. Yeah. It's like, uh, I really wanted like this powerful pungent, like earthy truffle and mm-hmm. it's like, like it's like they waved the truffle over the food, like just a little eau de truffle, not not really anything. Yeah. Even sometimes like the shavings, like or like if it's like, you know, on the mandolin or whatever. Yeah. The, I'll eat like a whole like slice. That makes me wonder if it's, it's something like, else. I mean, I guess each truffle probably could have different. You know, maybe it had more water content, or one was drier, or something. There could be something in the truffle that makes you not tasted as strongly but then you wonder too what is it the other things that your tongue's been exposed to was there something else that like dulled the sensation Mm -hmm. or I love the chemistry of uh, smell and taste Mm -hmm. because you can have a wine that tastes terrible because you're drinking it with the wrong thing you know it has too many tannins so it doesn't taste good with this or um, you should really like if you're having something salty have this type of wine or, or something yeah wonder I wonder sometimes what what food would taste like if um if I knew what to pair it with better mm-hmm. that's 
all the chemicals. And then too, we wonder if like um, maybe our body chemistry changes with different hormones and stuff too. So mm-hmm. that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. I'm sure there's been some research on that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of the episode with Becca where she just talked about coronavirus, her experience with coronavirus. Oh, and losing her sense of taste and smell. And she talked about how smell she thinks is worse than losing her sense of taste. Wow. Yeah. Which I, I can't really fathom, which I would think was worse. Um, until like, I guess it were to happen to me sure. if I were to lose them, you know, like right now taste seems more important but who knows maybe if i were to experience it i would see the horror of you know losing your sense of smell but i think you know when you lose your sense of smell don't you also lose your sense of taste like i don't think they you do, lose they, they i think they are tied for sure yeah. um i remember i got the swine flu back in like whatever year that was 10 years ago or so and i lost my sense of smell and taste oh really and i was married at the time my ex-husband bought i happened to have a a lucid moment and he bought me a pizza that was my favorite pizza and i just looked at it and i ate it and it was like cardboard like you totally wasted your money like it i can't smell it i can't Uh taste it and it just feels like play-doh in my mouth that was very disappointing Uh but um yeah it was a weird experience to think like yeah, what if I could never taste anything? What would I eat for? Like, because mm-hmm. when you eat, or at least when I do, I want that taste. I want that smell. But I think I would just. I guess I could become a really healthy eater then, because I wouldn't yeah. care. I'd never get that satisfaction of like a Reese's peanut butter cup again. Yeah, I want to say there was a time in my life where I was like, I don't care about eating that much. Yeah, and I was like, I could. I could be totally satisfied being, like, photosynthetic. Like, if I just needed to, like, if I was hungry or whatever, just go sit outside. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, if you could put your toes in the dirt and just open up your hands and all of a sudden you weren't hungry anymore. That would, what a concept. We need to create photosynthetic skin for ourselves. But now I don't know. I kind of like food now. The experience. Um, Well, it's, you know, it's tied to your, your memories um, you know, there's certain smells that sometimes will bring you back. I know smells of, uh, like my childhood, like just even the smell of the house. Like sometimes I'd go hug my mom and she, we wouldn't even be at her house and I would smell the mm-hmm. house cause it was an old house full of antique furniture. It just had this aroma and I would smell that and immediately be back in that house that I grew mm-hmm. up in. Mm-hmm. Super weird. And you know, people always think about what would you rather go blind or deaf? People don't ever talk about, well, what if you lost your sense of touch or your sense of smell or taste? It's mm-hmm. always blind or deaf. Mm-hmm. I think those are the easiest ones. Like like I was saying, those are the ones that I default to for like most things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I'm appreciating something, it's usually visually or, mm-hmm. you know, like something yeah. I hear. Audio, I mean like, yeah, music and the birds and yeah. The sound of my dog whining over there telling me she wants out. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I don't think that... I don't think I'd be happy to lose any sense. Right. I don't want to have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about touch, too, now. And I'm thinking about, like, your dog. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I just remember 
and like dogs ears and i was just thinking that that. was about their ears like if i couldn't feel soft ears anymore yeah i wouldn't mind getting away from the wet nose on the back of the knee but uh yeah (laughs) i know this puppy i'm dog sitting like her wet nose will just go everywhere it's like and so fast she's like sticking in my ear and like sticking (laughs) on it cheek and all over my face and stuff and it's like <laughs> just yeah. trying to push her away and she's just like uh-huh you can uh-huh. just you know yeah they're very determined to yeah. love you yeah which is nice that's why we have dogs they'll love you no matter what usually mm-hmm. unless you're beating them or something mm-hmm. oh yeah i don't know i yeah do we want to take a little break sure I think my dog might need to go out, so it might be a good time. Yeah, yeah. okay, let's do right. that. And we're back. All right. Um, okay, so when we were on a break, I was telling uh, telling Chris about a cool gift I got, so I thought all of you guys might want to hear about it, too. So my friend Bromwyn, she's also a naturalist. She works in the um, nature field of, you know, she's like community engagement for a, a different organization. But we both love flotsam you might find outdoors and we love the idea of divination and things and we were talking about tarot cards and how it can lead you to thinking about different things but so I got this cool set and it came from a woman who's in England actually her company is called wheat and chaff so you could go on Etsy I think and find her little store but she lives in the English countryside and she goes on long walks with her dog and she picks up picks up bits and pieces and if you follow her on Instagram even she's she's so interesting and she does the things I want to do but I'm really nervous about what people think and why I care what people think is beyond me it's just like you know ingrained in us I guess Mm -hmm. but like she picks up dead animals and brings them back and buries the skull in her yard so that the microbes and the little organisms can eat all the you know, recycle all the skin and the meat and eyeballs or whatever is in there. And, uh, you know, collects feathers and things like that. And so she has, I think, some that are meaningful and special to her that she keeps. But also she makes these boxes for people. You could just buy something because you thought it was pretty. But you can also um, buy little sets and this one that Brahman ordered for me for a solstice gift this year she kind of um, gave a little bit of inspiration about what she thought should go in it and the design like it's got on the inside of this antique tobacco tin there's a frog mm-hmm. which unbeknownst to her is my absolute favorite animal oh nice I love frogs especially tree frogs so a lot of times when you need a password for something, and this isn't like giving away my, my password. Like you need a code word or something. I used to always use um, like Hyla Scenaria or something that was mm. frog related, tree frog, mm-hmm. and then um, the cycles of the moon up up there too. So I really um, I have a fascination with the moon and and just the uh, turning of the 28, 29 days of the moon cycle. So anyways, I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. You know, coincidences, which whether it was coincidence or not, I don't know. But inside of it, inside it, it's kind of separated out into little um, little sections. And there's a couple of feathers and some bones. There's the jawbone to a hair. And there's a vertebra. There's the um, top of a uh, fibula. There's a, looks like a deer 
tooth, I think. Probably some sort of herbivore. I'm pretty sure it's a deer because it's not big enough to be a cow or a horse. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of an antler, some, some leg bones, some rocks, a um, alder cone, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I looked up what all, all the things I wasn't really that knowledgeable of. Like I knew this was some kind of cone, but I was like, it's not a pine cone, it's not a fir cone, it's not a... But it's an alder cone, and the alder has a lot of historical um, folklore mm -hmm. behind it. Um, it. Has to do with like blood sacrifices and stuff. Evidently, the oh, wood, really? when you cut the wood down, um, the inside of the the tree is very orange, and when it bleeds the sap, it's red. Hmm. So it looks like blood. So Interesting. It's, it's known. Yeah, and there's a there's a chestnut, and an acorn. So. The kit, though, it came with some papers that explain what you would use it for, other than just looking super cool and uh, interesting on a shelf, is throwing bones. Have you ever heard of throwing bones? Yeah, sort of like very a, like a shamanistic or druid kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, it's very uh, a, a form of divination, the same as um, maybe tarot cards. Because with tarot cards, uh, what you're trying to do is you know let the energy of the universe guide you to finding the right message for you in that moment and this is sort of the same thing except that you don't get a book that tells you what everything means all those symbols on the cards you they almost always come with a a guidebook so even if it's the animal one that you're talking about well this animal represents this and it's on this card because of this so this mm -hmm. is what you're supposed to think so each one of these you have to take out and uh, give it your own personal meaning so that you can read them yourselves and to me it's sort of like uh tarot on steroids in a way um so i spent some time over the past week we've been frozen and stuck in our homes and so i uh tried to give each little thing like the the tooth i think is it reminds me of grinding it just you know the the back and the forth the dull you know wearing something down that you'll you'll um you know, like just putting the work in, doing the back and forth during the day to day. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the backbone is, is something like stability, flexibility. It's the support. Mm -hmm. um, it's the core of something. And then some of them, it kind of worked out. I thought it was really interesting. Like the antler to me is very, has a lot of masculine energy because, um, you know, cervids, almost all of them except for reindeer only the males grow antlers mm -hmm. so i like oh okay it's like protection it's that masculine energy you know they use them to to fight for territory or for mates and mm -hmm. you know I was like okay that was really cool but then when i got to something like the alder cone it's the female part of the plant so it's like where the the seeds are made and it's the blossom and it has in some other folklore some some different uh more feminine energy. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. So it was really fun to go through that. And then you can toss them to try to get answers to a question or, um, you know, guidance. Like if you're trying to set intentions, you could think of like, well, what are the intentions that I need to set this month? What's the most important thing? Um, anything like that. And it could, you know, you can find lots of guidance online. This one kind of came with some, a little bit of writing. But I just thought it was so cool and different because it's it's for me. Like mm -hmm. it's just um, you know, no one else would get the same meanings out of it. It'd be kind of cool for you to like, since you've got the meanings of that one, you could 
try using it to read someone else's, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Toss the bones for me. Because it's like... all about, yeah, me getting the energy, right? And then, um, or me reading the vibe, like trying to pick up what's what's to be taught in this moment. And then I would be able to read them, whereas you'd look at it and be like, yeah, it looks like a pile of... <laughs> yeah, there's an acorn next to a jaw, next to a femur, okay, and then there's a rock off to the side, so... And yeah. I just, like I said, I just got it last week, I've only had it for one week, and so some of them I haven't really fully figured out what the meaning of them is, I'm still kind of like pondering mm -hmm. it, so I could just use the other ones that are, um, that I have given meaning to, mm -hmm. but... And yeah. one thing I saw was, uh you can draw a circle in the middle of a piece of paper mm -hmm. and everything in the circle is things you control that are within your sphere and everything outside of it would be things outside of your control things that you know mm -hmm. you don't don't have any um, control over at all so, mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's funny um yeah i was telling you i have a story kind of uh kind of related and that you know this sounds very druidic or like pagan or something you know which i'd love to be i'm a druid in in our D, &D game so nice, i yeah. love the idea of the pagan I mean, that's literally know, the closest yeah. i could get to religion <laughs> like with all of the human religions that are currently around i could not get behind but the pagan like yeah. that connection to nature and everything being in a cycle oh, yeah 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 um so uh this summer solstice um, my friend Tatiana, who's been on the, on the podcast before her and I like, we're like, Oh, let's go camping for the solstice weekend. So I did that and we had just, we didn't have like, I didn't make a lot of plans really for what we were doing. We we're just going to be camping and we were calling it like, you know, our like pagan solstice celebration. Yeah. And, um, and I was being relatively open about that <laughs> um and uh my other friend came uh and we went out to eat with his friends at, in austin which was like 30 minutes from where we were camping so i went with them to go eat with them and they were like oh what are y'all doing this weekend and i was like oh we're doing like this kind of pagan uh solstice celebration and uh like, I just kind of said it and, like, didn't think about it. Nonchalantly, yeah, yeah. just throwing that out there, yeah. <laughs> and, like, they're like, what are y'all going to do? And I was like, I don't know, probably, like, dance under the moonlight and have a fire and, like... Yeah. You know. And we ended up having a fire and, like, burning intentions for, like, mm -hmm, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we did both things that we wanted to, like, release. Yeah, you and can do And then also yeah. what Let intentions go. we wanted to have for, like, the coming year or whatever. We, um, we jumped in the creek, um, which, it was like the Pedernales River, mm. um, but the section that we were camping by was like really muddy bottom. <laughs> uh, it didn't really matter to me. I was like, whatever, I'm going in, like under the moonlight, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Crawling around in the There's something magical <laughs> about water. that. Yeah. Solstice, shortest night of the year. After that, the nights are just going to get longer. Oh, I love all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the coolest thing that happened... Like, what really blew my mind is, uh, I was laying by the campfire, like, we had played guitar around the campfire and stuff like that, and it was getting later, and I was laying by the campfire, looking up at the sky, 
and I saw a shooting star and I was like whoa that's so cool I just saw a shooting star you know and I looked at the time and it was like 12 o'clock like midnight and six seconds or something like that yeah. and I was like I saw that shooting star right at midnight that's crazy like, I can't believe that I saw you know one right at midnight on the solstice I don't know it's just that's great yeah it was cool and it like went right over like right over the fire and we had done this thing too where we tossed things over the fire mm-hmm. um so I tossed like my cowboy hat over the fire and Tatiana's like it's gonna bring you like whatever you you toss over the fire something that you hold dear and like something that mm-hmm. will bring you good luck or I don't know through the new year. Yeah, they do also. It's, pagans used to do all sorts of stuff with the fire. They drive their herds of cattle between two fires to cleanse them of yeah. things. Yeah. So, the following week, me and that other friend that I had invited are going camping again somewhere else, and uh, his buddy calls him, and. Um, we're in the car together and he's like hey uh what's going on i'm with my buddy chris uh we're going camping and then uh <laughs> his friend is like oh never mind and like hangs up and i was like oh that was weird that he like called and then like i don't know i was like did that have to do with me <laughs> you know you totally like, freaked him out but with your pagan solstice celebration right. so <laughs> So I just asked him this and just found out, like, this week. I, it was, like, two nights ago. I was like, hey, remember when your friend called and then he hung up? Like, what was that about? And so uh, he finally told me that, yeah, it was about me. It was about the whole, like, solstice celebration thing. He was, he had called and he had another friend on the line, too. It was, like, almost like this intervention type of thing where they were, like, we don't know about this guy, Chris, that you're hanging oh out gosh. with. Like, oh, yeah, this? so scary. This guy, really, he really appreciates and respects nature. That's scary they stuff. I thought, yeah. like, I was going to be, like, doing blood rituals oh or, like, I don't know, funny? like, something, you know, dark and evil. That yeah. is the, the hardest thing to overcome is that when you don't, when something's unfamiliar, mm-hmm. people automatically think it's bad and scary. Like, I think I used to think the word pagan meant yeah like something kind of dangerous hedonistic mm-hmm. um and it doesn't it doesn't mean that at all but well i think it's what you make of it and i think you know there probably are people who who do that kind of stuff sure. and i don't know <laughs> however they get their kicks but like as long as nobody's getting hurt or nothing's getting hurt you know as long as they're not like sacrificing animals oh, yeah. or something yeah but like um That's i don't know if if it makes them happy to like uh, and they're not endangering anybody. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous throwing your cowboy hat over the fire. You know, it's probably the most dangerous thing you did. Could have started a started a forest fire. Yeah, I mean, there's some, some irresponsibility around a campfire, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I just found that out and thought that was pretty... I think that's why a lot of times I do keep private things private. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to know what to share and what not to share. Mm-hmm. Like my mom died in November and it was really uh shocking. I wasn't prepared for it. So I don't I'm not religious, so I don't have a religious body of people to go to to talk to about it or to help me through it. I don't have um I, you know, I don't read the Bible for security and comfort or anything. But 
I, I really wanted to like find some healthy ways to deal with grief. Mm-hmm. And one of the books that I found at a bookstore was the pagan book of living and dying. Mm-hmm. And like, I am not an official pagan. I don't, I, it's not like it's necessarily a religion the way Catholicism or Judaism would be, but you know, it has certain, I think certain, uh, rituals and rites and different things. But, uh, but reading the book was so helpful because it wasn't religious based. It was all very natural, very like, you know, the cycle of life and the cycle of things in the universe and how to find meaning and how, um, all of it's extremely helpful and none of it's weird or scary or like demonistic or anything. I, but like, I wouldn't keep that book out in public because I don't want to invite like what you're saying, the judgment, yeah, the judgment. And then, you know, the misunderstandings that could happen because I don't know enough about it to really defend it against someone who was really going to question me about it. But it's it's frustrating sometimes not be able to be open about your my curiosity and different things and like my tossing my bones. Like, you know, maybe I toss the bones and get an amazing reading that makes me super happy and I feel like it really is relevant to that moment. Like who would I tell mm-hmm. without worrying about the snark and the kind of like teasing laughter, you know. Mm-hmm. And the way I feel about it is it does it does it make me happy? Does it make me feel good? Mm-hmm. That's what should really matter. Right. And like you're saying, it's not hurting anything. Yeah. But but would I make major, should I have this surgery for my heart condition or not? <laughs> Let me toss the bones. I would never do that, obviously. But Well, I mean, there are those people who do that with religion. And like, I've known, um, I guess it's secondhand, like, or, or like people through other people that have heard this, but like, um, I dated a girl who's one of her family members was like going blind, I think from diabetes. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. And he was like, well, uh, God won't let that happen. You know what I mean? Like this, these doctors are, are telling him that this is going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, but I'm a, I'm a, religious man and I'm like praying to God and God wouldn't wouldn't let that happen or if it does happen it was supposed to be yeah that kind of thing right it's like uh, I don't know I mean maybe God made these scientists really smart and put them in your life on purpose you know there's like some old I don't know like idiom or something like a fable about Mm -hmm. all the millions of times where somebody's waiting for God to come help him but God like sends like all these people to his door to help but he turns them all away saying no I'm waiting on God and then finally like, <laughs> oh, yeah. he dies or whatever and he gets to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you come help me? And he's like, literally, I sent all these people to your door to help yeah. you and you wouldn't let any of them help you. What was I, you know? Yeah. It's kind of different ways to look at it, but. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't, Religion I don't necessarily believe in God, but actually like I, um, I do kind of relate to that idea that like, people are around that can help you (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to believe in a god to think that like these people are are that I'm interacting with can I don't know it's not necessarily in your life for a reason or you're lucky enough to be in a place where help is available Mm -hmm. that yeah 
Yeah, and I have I struggle with the whole like almost even just that that they're in my life for a reason kind of thing, but I do think that taking advantage and not not like in the sense that No, in the good way of taking advantage. Take advantage of the resources you have. Yeah, and like realizing that like oh, you know, I don't have water this week because of this crazy freeze my neighbor is offering me to take a shower at her place and I've never talked to her. Yeah. She just saw me filling up a kettle yesterday at my, um, (laughs) with the water hose, like from my neighbors, from my other neighbor's yard. And she like came up and started talking to me and, you know, found out that my pipes are busted. And she's like, do you want to take a shower at my place? Like, just let me know. And I didn't, but like, I don't know. There's just, yeah, so that was an offering that had you needed it, it was there. It would be silly not to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just things like that. Like, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm still just struggling with uh, believing that the universe has these intentions or just that. Um, My belief is that the universe doesn't have intentions for you. It just is, and you can make use of things learn of things i mean you're or not and i think for the longest time like i pushed away stuff and i've talked about that where like Mm -hmm. people were offering me help oh yeah and i i was you know trying to self-medicate with alcohol and just like getting further and further into my depression um yeah that's really hard i think that i'm i can relate to that too like i have a friend who is often suicidal and you know they always reach out to me and they want to talk about it and I'm there for them but at the same time like you need to talk to like a a real therapist like Mm -hmm. really someone who can help you and then I don't take my own advice like the idea of talking to a therapist for the things that I need to I'm like no I'm fine I can handle it I'm Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. it's it's it is hard sometimes to to see what is being offered in front of you Mm-hmm. and actually go for it yeah I mean I'm kind of that way we talked briefly about like medication and I never sought out medication either for my depression I mean like you could say that the ayahuasca experience was a form of that but I didn't really seek that out either it was one of those things that just like mm-hmm. it was an know, opportunity and you was... took advantage of it <laughs> yeah yeah it was there for you so um yeah and then you know yeah I could I could turn around and tell other people like oh yeah you should seek medication but that's something I've never done myself before I didn't until my my dad died seven years ago and and right uh, right before he did I finally realized like I'm not handling this well I think I've always been on the verge of um, having depression. I have several mem- family members that have gone to, you know, like stay for months at a time at places like that. So I knew it was possible that I that depression was in my family, but I did and I took it for a while and it was very helpful. But I think for a lot of people that isn't the right answer. That you know, mm-hmm. it's you need more long lasting change, more physical change that you can see tangible change mm-hmm. instead of just the the chemicals but then other people it's different yeah i just learned that there's like seven different types of add 
Oh, really? I did not know that. I mean, I didn't get diagnosed with ADD until I was an adult because my family didn't believe in taking medicines for things. We didn't even have insurance, so we went to the doctor if you broke your arm or needed stitches. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so they're not even all the same, and they can tell that by looking at different parts of your brain and you know what's over-firing or not firing. So it's not the same, and and all depressions aren't the same either. Some can be more situational, like I felt like mine was exacerbated by a particular situation. Mm -hmm. Whereas when times weren't as rough, you know, I could manage it with meditation and yoga and running and. Mm -hmm. But uh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think there's any one right answer, and so many people think that they have to do one thing or another, but. For me, it's it's kind of testing and seeing what works, and maybe talking to a therapist who's you know completely objection. Um, what's the word? Objective, and isn't mm-hmm. you know personal. But that's that's just such a hard thing to get going. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the. I feel like. You know, it comes back to the whole Steppenwolf. Uh, story which he was kind of this unhappy person and he started just trying new things and like having these new experiences and eventually like realizing that some of these things brought him joy and I think that's kind of what I've realized too is that just being open like if you are unhappy just being open to trying new things whether like whether you just try medication for a while and realize it doesn't work for you like at least you tried it if you try a meditation, you know, it doesn't work for you. At least you tried it, you know, mm-hmm. and like maybe eventually if you keep trying these things, one of them will click. And I feel like through talking to people through this podcast, it's almost a way of like collecting ideas of like sure tools and but things. But you're also people... sharing them with other people too, you know, right, like yeah. you're, yeah, you're the one initiating the conversations and, and creating this topic. But yeah, you are collecting all sort like a whole you know, metaphorical toolbox of things that could work for, if not you, someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're real stories with real people who aren't, you know, they're not trying to make a buck on selling their story on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> trying to make a buck with my little advertisements, but yeah, also but... making a buck for charity too. Yeah. So. No, um, I think that's really good. And I like it because we do need to find fulfillment in our lives. And if, if even just, you know, having this thing that you do every week and, and talking to people and reaching out and making these connections, which you realized you needed to do because you weren't happy, um, that's something fulfilling to you. Yeah. Fulfillment is one of those weird things that I feel like as a first world country, we it's a privilege to try to seek fulfillment in everything we do. Mm-hmm. I think about if my life was all about walking five miles to get water for my family every day. And, you know, trying to find some sort of fuel to burn. Like, fulfillment would be the last of my thoughts. Right. Am I fulfilled in this life? No, I'm surviving and that's it. But mm-hmm. but we are privileged enough to live somewhere where we have to find things that make us happy and, mm-hmm. and feel like uh, we're making a difference and that what we do matters. And mm-hmm. it changes throughout our lives, too. What fulfilled me 10 years ago, I don't know if that's enough for me anymore. Right. Yeah. So looking at different things, learning things. Like the woman who makes and sells those little tins full of 
bones she finds in the woods. I could do that. I have so much stuff in my house that I've collected from weird places. I mean, I, I literally can't go on a walk without bringing a leaf inside that I think is pretty. I know. I've actually thought about, like, <laughs> I could probably open an Etsy account, too, you know? I've thought about little things that I can do, like um, collecting leaves with, like, leaf miner damage and yes. then, like, framing them. Yes. And then, like, saying what the insect in the leaf is. Absolutely. People would totally buy that. <laughs> but, you know, there's something about doing it that I can't somehow actually bring yourself to. well and you know i don't know that i have the time to put into it or what if i started it and then you know it it lacked like i am really good about being really into something for a, a while but then sorry there's this cedar wax swing outside your window Aww. and it's just so pretty it's like one of these little magic moments just sitting there right outside your window see it. it's like um... oh i do it's in the it's in the vine oh uh -huh. wow it blended right in Sorry. That's okay. I actually found some cedar waxwing feathers yesterday and brought them inside. Um. Speaking of, look how pretty they are. They've got like little red tips. Those are the wax that makes them the waxwing. Oh wow. Yeah, I I've think I've never a hawk actually had eaten seen. Uh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Like the little red, cool? red thing. Yeah, it's just this extra bit on the feather that's shiny and red, and that's why they're called wax wings. But... I heard them earlier while we were making tea. Mm hmm. And it was one of those, again, like kind of just appreciating the audio of like those cedar wax wings. Those are really high. high... I don't oh, know if y'all can hear it, but squeaky. they're doing it right now. Just anyway. Um... Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. Do you remember uh, what you I am, uh, like I was saying, I, I don't have a very long attention span, so. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> we were talking about being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where we, where we went from there. But <laughs> over time and changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too easily distracted. I honestly... There's the ADD, it, right? Yeah, I would say, if it weren't for all the things that uh, are in my head at all times, I wouldn't remember. But but I do... Oh, we were talking about making things and selling them, the, oh, the right, leaf yeah. miners and the leaves. Yeah, like all the things that we could do if we just, like, did them. All the ideas. Like, I went to Marfa. You mm -hmm. walk in every store, and I'm literally like, I could make that. I could make that. Yeah. I could do that. I have that. Uh -huh. And I'm like, but I don't. That's the problem. I right. don't make those things that I could make. Yeah. I don't package them and even give them away as gifts. I don't um I don't get my shit together. Mm -hmm. And then I wonder, would it be fulfilling if it was is that what I would want to do? Would I want to like not go to work every day and depend on my own creativity to sell things on Etsy and in a little store? Would that be fun? I don't think I could do it full. I don't know that I could get paid yeah. enough to I don't know to do either. that full time. It'd have to be like a side gig. Yeah, and then your side gig becomes you know consuming because yeah, you don't have any free time because you're uh -huh. you got your real gig and your side gig. Yeah, everybody talks about having a side hustle these days too. I think my side hustle is like sleep. Yeah. Like, I like to sleep. If I get some free time, or read a book. Oh, my gosh. Reading and sleeping, those are my two favorite side hustles. They just don't make me any money. Right. Yeah, I mean, this so far isn't really making me any money. No. Um, I wish it was, I mean, because I really enjoyed mm -hmm. sitting down and talking to people now. 
but um well I think just that yeah I love it too I think the conversation starting is good and you never know who you'll meet along the way maybe one of these conversations will lead to something else so who's to say yeah and if it's fulfilling you right now in a in a way that isn't necessarily monetary yeah that's good too no it's totally fine that I'm not making money off of it I'm just saying it'd be really cool if I could um I'm totally content uh just doing it for uh you know how much I already do make from it which is like 50 cents a month (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um so yeah um yeah I don't know do you have any uh parting things that you want to you feel like oh nothing I feel like uh this has been a really long week it's been one of the longest weeks in a long time so I feel like my brain is full of so many I feel like a, like a, what do you call those games with the paddles on the side, the little... Pinball? Yes, a pinball. I feel like my brain's a pinball machine, so I'm sure this has been a really um, erratic conversation, but yeah. when you've been stuck in the house in freezing temperatures and you don't even really have a winter coat, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go anywhere, the city's shut down, uh, yeah, just, just talking again has been really nice. I don't have anything uh, earth-shattering to share other than I'm glad the sun is out. Yeah. The birds are back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, just for context for people who, I think most of my listeners are oh, <laughs> local true. and friends and stuff. Well, we've been on the national news, so. Right. Um, but who not knows? I mean, way. people might listen to this episode a year from now and not. True. What day remember. is today? February 20th? Yes, it is the 20th. Yeah, we just had record-breaking cold weather here in Texas and Houston with no... I still have to boil my water. I don't know when that's going to end. They said that the labs that test the water aren't even going to be open for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, so we could have to be boiling our water for the next week or two Mm -hmm. just to be able to drink it. Yeah, I've still got stored water, but eventually, yeah, I'm going to have to start boiling it. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, my pipe's busted at home, I mentioned. Uh, Lots of people were without power for days mm-hmm. um a lot of people died i know i saw the count yesterday was it like 47 people i don't know what it would be by today it's terrible mm-hmm. honestly i didn't really realize how many people died like i i thought maybe a handful or something but and hypothermia i mean people the water in people's toilets were freezing solid yeah it was that cold in the houses i mean we're not insulated for you would think because of the heat in the summers we'd have better insulated houses but i guess not yeah and people were you know getting really sick from carbon monoxide trying to find ways to heat their house but not thinking about carbon monoxide yeah there was a family that was i think had their car running in their garage or something Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, that was terrible and i have a neighbor whose mother lives alone and um she finally decided to go get her mom and bring her back to her house um and her mother's temperature when she got her was 94 degrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's four wow. degrees below normal. Think about yeah. if you had a 103 degree temperature, like, you know, you'd be pretty sick. I mean, but it's the other way around. I mean, she had hypothermia or the beginning stages. Mm-hmm. And if she hadn't gone to get her mom, I mean, she can't stay warm. She's elderly in right. her 80s. So, yeah, it's been rough. Yeah. I feel extraordinarily lucky because I didn't I don't have any busted pipes and I have heat but yeah it's been tough to watch 
Mm-hmm. Um, should we plug uh, Arboretum school programs? Oh yeah, right. No, yeah. If you if you have kids and you want them to connect to nature and be inspired and find the magic in it, we do. We are having lots and lots of um, summer programs this summer that are going to be in person, but they're going to be all outdoor. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be all day. They're going to be like half day. Mm-hmm. Uh, morning programs and even uh, one of our naturalists Kelsey is going to do a summer camp for grown-ups nice yeah so That's a cool. few times a summer there's going to be like basically summer camp activities but uh-huh. for grown-ups and then you know you can have a beer at the end and nice yeah I think that'll be a lot of fun that will be cool because I've you know half the time my friends are like oh that sounds awesome I want to just go like make clay pots and dig in the mud or go pond dipping with yeah. nets and buckets are yeah. they gonna um want help with the adult ones <laughs> oh uh, absolutely yeah we always <laughs> maybe have. there's never maybe um there's never something we don't at least enjoy having help doing so cool yeah and volunteering there's so many places so many ways to volunteer at the arboretum uh-huh. even right now just gardening especially uh the springtime is when you know we have a lot of gardening work to do mm-hmm. um the trails have so much work and all of that's still been going on so yeah and uh, Annika has been on an episode too. There's a link to the volunteer uh, page on those show notes. Oh, I'll fun. put a, I'll put a link to the I don't know education. Uh, yeah, you, uh, on this one. Yeah, that would be. Um, I'm not sure when we'll get our summer stuff up on the website. We're just now creating our programming, but yeah, definitely you can look at. I think the tab's called Learn under the Arboretum. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, this has been fun. I yeah. really enjoyed just talking. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. great. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the episode. Uh, before you leave, don't forget that there's a little segment at the end by my guest. Um, and before that, I like to talk about how um, this podcast supports charitable organizations. Um, basically, any money that I get from contributions from listeners and uh, any money that I get from the advertisements, um, half of all that money goes to a charitable organization at the end of the month. And I basically pick an organization each month based on, uh, I guess, just whatever I'm feeling. And um, as y'all are regular listeners, you know that uh, my dog passed away last month. Um, my dog, Hey Duke, who was a boxer. And so I want to support the local uh, boxer rescue, which is Houston Boxer Rescue. Um, Basically, they're just uh, trying to end the suffering of boxers due to neglect, abuse, or abandonment. Um, They uh, find boxers that have been rescued by individuals or um, those that are in pounds that might you know, be put down, and they find people to foster them, and people to adopt them, and um, they need, you know, things like food and crates and dog beds and things like that, so um, those that's the charitable organization that I'm choosing for this month, um, so if you want to help out, feel free to donate to the podcast, or just tell people to listen, because for each listen, you know, every time the advertisement plays, Um, I get a little bit of money from that, which will go towards the charitable organization. So those are the two ways to help out. Um, Other than that, I just want to say thanks for listening and enjoy this segment by my guests.
Okay, so in honor of my favorite animal, I'm gonna read from The Beginner's Guide to Freshwater Life. This book is by Leon A. Hausman and was published in 1950. So some of the terminology is no longer accurate, but it is adorable nonetheless. Amphibians, frogs, toads, and salamanders. Amphibians, unlike the reptiles, are moist or slimy skinned creatures and possess no claws or nails on the fingers and toes. Salamanders are often wrongly called lizards. Most amphibians lay their eggs in the water. Their larvae are known as tadpoles, pollywogs, poor wiggles, or pigglewogs. The tree toad, Hyla versicolor. This pretty little toad, only about two inches long or so, is grayish or greenish with darker markings and often shows deep yellow on the underside of its hind legs. It lives on the trunks and larger branches of trees, but in the spring goes into quiet, marshy, weedy pond borders. Here the males trill and the females later join them. The eggs, brownish and yellow, are surrounded with a thin jelly coat. Tree toads trill musically in the trees just before rain and on damp, warm nights. They crawl about on the bark, catching insects and adhering to almost smooth, upright surfaces with their little adhesive toe pads. <laughs>